Canine Detection Collaborative, a detection dog training trio with Stacy Barnett. Hi. Robin Grubel. Hey there. And Crystal Wing. What's up? With humor and a big dose of theory, our trio talks practical training advice and features interviews with top trainers and scientists. It's Canine Detection Collaborative! Welcome back to the Canine Detection Collaborative. I am Crystal Wing, and I'm here with the ninja of nosework, Stacy Barnett. Hello. And the resourceful rapid response, Robin Grubel. Hi. <laughs> okay, that, that's it. You're doing all the intros. <laughs> Done. I was trying to think of some of the retriever, and then I was like, well, I can't say retriever for Robin and then not for Stacy. So I, I was like, bleh. <laughs> was awesome. So, ladies, let's forget the stale mist. Let's dig into this uh, odor obedience. We had a, a pretty cool request. We put that little thing out on Facebook and said, hey, guys, give us some ideas. And the form's still out oh, yeah. there. Go to forever. go to the web. The, <laughs> it'll be out there forever. It's on the Facebook page. Click the link. Fill out the form. I know some of you are posting in the comments. We don't see those. Fill out the form because we, I mean, yeah, we, do, we don't see those. And we're not going to fill out yeah, the form for we you. We won't respond. And and as, as I lie because I was responding to something. <laughs> um, but we keep track of what we're doing by filling out the form. And so, because we go through and highlight and be like, well, we talked about it. So please fill out the form. So today is odor obedience. So I thought it was good that I introduced because I love teaching obedience, but odor obedience is probably not what you think. So you know me, what do I like to do when I try to learn something? You ask questions. And I think about the opposite. So if I can define the opposite of odor obedience. So Stacy, what's the opposite of odor obedience? Oh, wow. You're really putting me on the spot, aren't you? Uh, I don't think about it that way. Now I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to back up and think about this a different way. You're hurting my brain. Uh, you're welcome. Yeah. Uh, so the opposite of odor obedience is probably going to be, uh, I guess, the dog kind of doing anything other than searching for target odor and being attracted to anything other than searching or anything other than target odor. Um, or the handler doing the part of the dog, I guess, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think that. Ooh, I like that. So Robin, give me an example of when you have seen the opposite of odor obedience. Um, when it becomes very clear to me that the dog that I am handling either does not recognize that the odor that I have put out for them is important and they need to tell me about it, or the threshold of the odor that I have put out is not in their vocabulary. That's a much better answer than mine, but <laughs> I had longer to think. I, I know, I know, I know. I'm like, ah. it totally looks like they it, they could Care less. I almost said something else. <laughs> I, I wish people could see the Zoom. <laughs> we we might upload this one to Zoom because we're all at least. No, 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 not this one. Not this one because I'm like sitting here. I'm I'm like you're fine. You're, you're fine. Like in the in my leaning up in my. You're bed. fine. I'm fine. In, I got my robe you're fine. on. Your yeah, jammies on. Yeah. No, exactly. you look comfortable. Um, be because I really do think that it's when we start talking about odor. For me, it looks like the dog doesn't know that they're supposed to do that thing. That 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 odor means as much to them. It means less to them than kibble or a cookie. Okay. So that's what it's not. So odor obedience, let's dig into it. So how can we create this like amazing, powerful obedience to odor? Can I start? Can I start? Sure. Yeah, go, go for it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, really excited. <laughs> I, I like what you said. So really, odor obedience is your dog's understanding of the game. And I like to make everything to a game. So you guys have said numerous times there are two odors, right? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Uh -huh. So Stacy, what's one of the odors? The odor that they know. And then Robin, what's the other? The odor that they don't. <laughs> so one they get reinforced for all the others they don't <laughs> correct well then the odor that they get reinforced for may not be the odor that you think you're reinforcing 
That is one. Yeah. So odor obedience is starting by building, in my mind, a reinforcement system. Absolutely. Preach. Because if we just said that it's one that they get paid for and one that they don't get paid for, then the payment is the reinforcement system. And also to that, I think we have to make sure it's in tune to their specific drives. So that way we can get that union between the nose power and the brain power. And odor is their world. I mean, we know that. Like language is our world. Odor is their world. And the odor that gets reinforced is the odor worth fighting for, you know, like however you want to define that. I mean, that's the kind of way I look at it for them. So that's the one that um, maybe it's a trained final response or it's driving through a thicket of briars. Like look at Nico. I mean, the boy just completely dove through the thorns. His face was bloody and he's like, I found the odor mom, you know? Yeah. I'm like, Oh, we got to go to the bed. Great. <laughs> I mean that they're, they're just intense on it, you know? And I think it was uh, Sherry and uh, Diana just shared where the dog is swimming across the lake because it was the fastest way for the dog to get to the odor versus running around the lake. <laughs> yeah. The gators are probably chasing him, but yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was in Florida. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. So thanks for that entertaining video uh, on Facebook. Uh, so <laughs> what I'm curious from you guys, uh, what are some notable moments of odor obedience? So, and also if you want to add, cause I'm sure I just, I kind of just gave a little bit. So what do you want to add to the definition and give me some specific examples, notable moments that stand out of like, that was a moment that, wow. Robin, you can go first. Well, <laughs> I, I, it was thinking about, you know, you ask that question in that way. And for me, it has to do with the fact that, I mean, we use the Nico example of, you know, hell or high water type of concept. But I also think that there's the concept of when you're working with really, really low threshold of odor of how long will the dog work to get to that odor and continue to hunt. But the thing that I really think of it, that's really important for people to understand is when they say odor obedience or it's huge in the search and rescue world is this whole concept of victim loyalty same thing. Yeah. It's the fact that the dog actually understands that they have to get to odor mm -hmm. in order to get the reinforcement. They also, yeah, that, well, and they typically, they have a contingency for getting reinforcement is in my world, doing a trained final response or as Stacy we did in the webinar, you know, if you re reinforce a behavior, it's your look back or whatever. That is that is required behavior for getting reinforcement. So therefore, for me, odor obedience or victim loyalty actually means that the dog fully understands the contingency to gain reinforcement is to get to odor and do their thing, whatever it is. And... Odor obedience does not require the dog to actually be in odor. So your dog can be odor obedient being in a completely blank area. If they are constantly seeking odor and ignoring distraction, that is odor obedient, right? They discriminate appropriately. Yeah. Right. I totally agree. Yeah. Crystal's over there eating cheese. It's like she's watching pop. Like she's like, I'm eating popcorn, watching this whole thing. Her her, her hat says reinforcer on it. <laughs> the reinforcer on it. The reinforcer. I love it. I love it. <laughs> it's my dinner. <laughs> Back down. <laughs> I don't figure they want to hear me crunching in their ears. So I've got one cheese it left. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's like I was um, working with Prize and it was an area that Anyway, she, there was some confusion or whatever. And, but anyway, she, she was basically in a blank area in a barn. And I guess there was like, they have cats and they had a bunch of bowls of cat food. Well, I didn't even know it. She's working. It's a, it's basically, there's no target odor out there for her. And she's working and working and working. I didn't even know the cat food was there. And she didn't either because she was working. That to me is odor obedient because she wasn't thinking, oh, hey, cat food. 
Yeah, there was no the, the distractions and diversions did not dissuade her. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Both of the D's. Neither of the D's. And that and she understands the discrimination, which is another one of the D's. Yes. Mm-hmm. And she was working at a distance from me for a long duration. Crystal, it helps if you take yourself off mute. <laughs> I'm going to start dissuading both of you. <laughs> that was the worst timing to not hit my microphone. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> <Over> you're fuming. <laughs> so I would like to hear some like specific notable examples. And I think, can I share one? I thought of one. Yes. Yes. Uh, I got UConn at, I think it was between eight, I think eight or 10 weeks, somewhere in there. And uh, he was imprinted on heroin at, uh, with his breeder. And we were walking down the street. This is when he was about 16 weeks old and there's tall grass next to the sidewalk and we're walking, walking, walking. And he dives over into this tall grass and just is so persistent. This little baby puppy. And I'm pulling him with the leash and he, you know, the, the thing, you know, where they've got their claws out and they're like pulling against you. Like, no, don't take me away. I'm like, what, what is wrong with you? So I let the leash go a little bit, not let it go, but just, you know, to let him go back in. And he, he drags back into the spot and he is just nose in this tall grass. I'm like, what is in there? Uh, I, you know, I don't make the smartest choices all the time. Uh, and so I just reach down into the grass to pick up whatever it is because I can't see, I'm like shifting through the grass and I can't see anything. It's tall. Like it's, it's shin height, almost knee height. And so I, I reach down and I find something and I pick it up out of the grass and it's a needle. Oh, gee. So like a heroin needle. Lucky you didn't get poked. Oh, real lucky. And he is just like, give me that. <laughs> So, so to see this dog that, you know, half his life ago, <laughs> you know, had been playing this game and hadn't played it since, I, I don't have heroin in my house, <laughs> you know, uh, but the fact that he found that and was just so, he, he, a baby puppy and was like, I am not letting you go. We have to stay here. I, I have, this is so important. And I just thought that was such a, a great example of that odor obedience that he didn't have any sort of search cue. He didn't have... It was just that odor was so important to him that he was willing to like pull me over for it. And so then the the question is, what did the breeder do? I'm assuming that the, the breeder associated reinforcement with that particular odor. So he knew if I go to odor, most likely this great thing is going to happen. Yeah, he was in one of the puppy classes there at Logan House Kennels. And so... They had the, like, it's the plumbing parts, the little white tubes on the ground. And so they would get reinforced through the back of that when they put their head in to smell the odor. And so he was, he knew the assignment. <laughs> he heavily reinforced. And every time I put my nose close to odor, I got food. And he's such a little fat kid that he is like all about any chance to get any sort of food. And he was like, yes, let's do this. I <laughs> oh, gotta love you, Con. <laughs> well, and you know, I see this with um the puppies, you know, coming off of having all three puppies um from the working dog building a working dog thing, and just watching them go through the whole process of I started on Bob pop bottle caps, then we went to Noda, and then we went to whatever target odor was. And if I needed to, I could take them back to those pop bottle caps. And that always helped clean up the stare behavior because they actually had something physical to stare at. But that odor obedience, even to find something as remotely unsmelly as a pop bottle cap out of a 16-week-old puppy was awesome, but I also spent a whole lot of time associating that pop bottle cap with food or with play. And so I, I really think the people with puppies, you will spend much less time fixing problems. If you spend more time developing a reinforcement system, than immediately putting your puppy on odor. I said it. People can send me hate mail. It's fine. I don't think you're getting a lot of hate for that. 
I hope not. I hope people realize that, you know what, it actually, training goes faster when you have a much better reinforcement system than immediately putting your dog on odor. So Stacy, give me one of those moments that really stands out for you of that, like, wow, that was some cool odor obedience. Yeah, I think I've, I've got a couple of things in my head. And I think one of them, um, they're, they're both examples from summit trials with powder. And one of them was her very first summit search ever. We were in Gunnison, Colorado, and we had a search with, I think there were eight school buses or something. Yeah, something like eight school buses. We had six minutes, unknown number of hides. And the wind, um, the way the wind was blowing, it was blowing like all the way through and it had done a complete 180 like throughout the, the course of the morning. And it was light wind speed, but a little bit humid for, for the area. So I'm searching with powder and she's like, there's odor everywhere. And she kept searching into the wheel wells and then leaving and searching in the wheel wells and leaving. And she hadn't worked in that climate in a long time. And it was a very first summit trial. And I was starting to feel like, I don't know what's going on here. Finally, we, you know, I tried patterning and I'm just like, I'm like, look, it's, it's just follow the odor here she gets me to one of the vehicles gives me a heart alert a caller i get a yes and i keep working the vehicles the rest of them and i ended up a chewed up most of my time and i probably should have called spinach sooner but out of those six minutes or seven or whatever we had in the eight school buses there was only the one hide and so for me the odor obedience was the fact that she was not alerting in odor pools and she was so driven to just find source that I ended up with a very successful search. Um, so that's one example. And then on the flip side, also with, uh, speaking of a, a summit trial with powder again, um, in the uh, Montrose summit, the mo most recent one that we did, where we were in, we had a, a four minute to four minutes to search this big gym area with a stage and stuff like that. And then if we um, called that correctly, we would earn a bonus um, and then be able to move into another room where there may be more uh, like a special secret room they got to go to to earn more points. Turns out the first room was blank and there was odor in there, but it was odor coming from the bonus room. So the fact that she dismissed the odor pools being pulled up the stairs because there was a stairwell um, next to the in, in this inside of the gym and toward the sunny window. She dismissed all those odor pools. And when I turned her off leash, she checked a couple of she dismissed a few novel odors on the ground because I was asking her to check for any kind of crack hides and then basically booked it down the hall. And at that point, I called finish and got the bonus and I called it clear and then um, went in and she found the um, uh, found the bonus hide. But she's like, she was not going to alert on anything in there, um, you know, that wasn't source. So for me, those were two, two examples of her odor obedience. So Robin, can you think of any examples you've seen of subject loyalty or victim loyalty, however you want to say it? it it's, it's the same concept. And I see this out of whether it's life find or disaster dogs all of the time. We are asking these dogs to work across incredibly hostile territory and go bark at something, the person or dead guys in a hole. I mean, I was, I was just as, as Stacy was talking about powders thing. I was remembering one of the first rubble pile searches that Nico did. And he literally had to go a hundred yards across a pile and I purposely set it up so that the odor was blowing across the pile because I wanted to work on agility. So it was pulling him across, but he had to jump voids. He actually had to go out of odor to get back into odor because the way that the wind was blowing, it wasn't the easiest path to get there. And so for me, that's odor obedience is is the fact that they will also overcome physical challenges and all of that other stuff to get to the thing. 
because getting to the thing pays the most. And, and, you know, in, and one of the things that I really look at the, the life find people um, a lot is that on, on one of the problems, unless you actually really start training for it is that um, if you're not careful, you can successfully train your, your life find search dog to discriminate whether or not your subject has their toy or reinforcer. And they won't alert on them if they don't have their toy or reinforcer. And so, or, you know, food or whatever. So that's just something to be very conscious about when you start training is the contingency getting to odor is the important thing. It doesn't matter what odor is in or on or with, it's the odor. And, and so that required, you know, there's 500 different ways to do it and people have to find what works for them and works for their dog. I have my way that I prefer to do it, which is fine. Other people have their way and think my way is stupid, which is fine. But as long as, as long as you are clear and, and make it very, very clear early in your training that it's just odor, that's what's important. Okay, Robin, here's the problem. Um, you have to always reward it so at source. So source being the subject or the oil or so if you have to reward it source, I'm just trying to figure out if you don't have the toy on the person, how are you going to do that? So okay, so so nobody's seen this video of Robin rolling her head around with her eyes up in the back of her head and like, oh, oh wait, wait, wait. Is this one of the first myths that we can kind of discuss then? Is that what you're trying to tell it me? It can be because this is like off the top rope, both elbows. I, I really, I really, really think Robin's head was just about to explode. It, was, it looked like she was about to like the whole head was going to whip around like Linda Blair kind of deal. Uh, so no, you don't always have to reward at source, but what you do have to do is have an incredibly good Conditioned reinforcer, aka in the American world called a marker, or if you're in the zoo world, called a bridge. Depends on who you talk to. I'm doing a whole webinar on all of this stuff where we're going to talk about the scientific discussion stuff. Yes, it's markers, bridges, and placement of reinforcers. It's out on the Canine Census website. It's a webinar. I can't remember the date because I did five of them all at once. You should have put bridges last because then it could have been like lions, tigers, and bears. Oh my. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay. Creative person. Well, you didn't ask me this time. You just did it without me. So <laughs> I know you were busy. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> Two full-time jobs. So, <laughs> oh my God. So no, you don't have to reward at source all of the time. There's some times where it's beneficial for you. Using a conditioned reinforcer can help you get all sorts of duration, distance, all sorts of things with your Ds. All six of the Ds, yes. All six of them, maybe eight, if we really want to get technical. Or absurd. <laughs> so I think that people have to understand that there are different times in training that you can use always reward at source. And then at a certain point in training, you move to now I can use a conditioned reinforcer or um, secondary reinforcer. Now I can do something else because I have to work on, you know, me trying to get across to Nico that no, you have to stay out of sight and bark would have taken me three times longer than using a whistle as a conditioned reinforcer, which we'd already spent a long time putting together, I can use it and I can use that to bridge more difficult concepts with him much more quickly because I have that in my toolbox and I understand how well to use it than always being in that category of you must reinforce a source. And... You need to make sure that the <laughs> that your um I'm just gonna use the the American vernacular, the marker, right? Is <laughs> right, but that it's clear and consistent. It, this is one of the biggest downfalls I see with people using one is that it's not used well. 
Um, this has been kind of my mantra for like the last year. I've been like after my students, I'm like, you know, trying to clear up the markers because I found when I cleared up mine, my dog's performance went like way up. And it was um, it's because it builds a clarity so that they understand what, what you're actually what you're actually communicating to them, you know, especially because, well, in nose work, we use a lot of verbal markers and those can get um, muddy, very messy, very muddy, very easily. Um, dogs are not a verbal species. You know, they're going to listen to your body language way before they actually hear the words coming out of your mouth. So if you're going to use one and you should <laughs> just put that out there. Um, yeah, you yeah, don't, you yeah, know, not that, but, you know, really think about the quality of your, of your marker and, and, and the quality of the delivery. Um, as far as like, whether or not you're going to reward at source, you know, just to kind of tack on what Robin said, a lot of it also depends on what, what the situation is. So if I'm working, you know, and I, I was talking to, um, doing some video review today, but if I'm doing, for instance, close proximity hides, I probably don't want to reward 15 feet away because then my dog has to re-enter the, um, the problem to find the second hide. So in that case, I may want to reward in the general proximity of the hides uh, without pulling them out. That would be the only reason, but it's not necessarily rewarding at source. It's more of um, if I want to, you know, do I care how far away I am? Sometimes it matters, sometimes it doesn't. So I think I'm I'm a little confused because what happens if you run out of cookies? Because I mean, it's, so you have, okay, so now you don't actually have to take the cookies to the source, but I, I was, I was concerned because like when you have cookies at source and, and what if you drop them and then what if you run out? Like that's, that's your only way to motivate. So. Um, okay. I'm going to knife you because this is, yeah, because we're going to actually have to post this one to YouTube because people can't see your shit eating grin <laughs> because you're like, they're like really messing with you. <laughs> right. Um, no, no, no. We're, we're not doing we, this one because of my outfit today, but, uh, <laughs> so the whole fact is, wait, wait, that's a myth that we don't just use cookies for rewards. I know. Cookies, praise, lots of praise, fun food, food. I mean, holy cow. If you're just using cookies, there are such things as social praise. I also was talking to somebody today who's like, well, my dog just wants toys. And I was like, what's on the other end of a toy? That's the wonderful thing about a toy, though. Yeah. I mean, it, it is. I mean, and their, their dogs are selected for professional detection dog work. Some of the time, most of the time, because all they really want to do is possess the thing. But most of us who train our own dogs and handling our own dogs, it's actually the interaction with the toy. The toy becomes much more about the interaction with you than it does about the thing. And even if you have a dog that is like bonkers for the thing, if you add you, it's even more powerful. I know, for instance, if I gave a ball to anybody, Bravo would be like, yeah, I'll play with you. And then when you don't have the ball, like, you know, I don't really care much about you at all. And then I'm going back to mom. Yeah. Well, and that's one of the things when people talk about whole subject loyalty thing, what they're actually talking about is the fact that the person has the toy and the dog wants to continue to interact with the person with the toy or with the food. But as soon as that thing would go away, most of the dogs would be like, um, yeah, I'm not, I, I don't care. Right. Or they get the thing from the subject and then they take the toy back to mom and dad, which is fine. So it's back to the contingency. Do the thing until you get your reinforcement. What's one of the fun teams, you don't have to like mention their name, but just some of the fun reinforcements that you've seen that the dogs really enjoyed that kind of stand out. You mean anything you do with your dogs? <laughs> You're so kind. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you are the one that takes a go dog furball, stuffs a bunch of food in the furball and sets it up for your dog so she can dissect it and eat the food inside of it. And like now it's kind of lame. She doesn't like that anymore. Oh. Oh. I know. She's kind of changed and she's like, no, just give me a chuck it. I'm a, I'm a big girl now. I don't need my fur ball now. I'm like, oh, okay. 
She's growing up. (laughs) She just wants a chocolate. Go figure. I know. I'm like, all this work I've done, and you want a chocolate bowl? Okay. Wow. Well, meanwhile, prizes like she has to have her go dog fur ball in her mouth, like most of the time in the house. She still wants her crystal balls, you know, those little, um, the wonder balls, right? For when I I work her. But yeah, she's she's been seeing the cat outside the the Airbnb. And basically, I'm like, get your ball. So, just like all of that frustration, just take it out on the fur ball. She's like, I'm thinking back to it. some of the creative reinforcements I've seen. And uh, one of my really liked was uh, Lisa had a, uh, a, oh, what are those called? Like the big super soakers. And yes. she had it in her, in the back pocket of her vest. And so it's hot outside. And one of the things that she found that her dog loves was when spraying the hose, you know, was the chasing of the hose and the, and the spraying and it's hot. Right. So she pulled that thing out, was like, super soaker. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> that so cool. I mean, it, that is one of the things that's, that's been so fun is seeing some of the really imaginative things people do when their dog comes into contact with odor and being able to um, give them permission like during distraction camp and all of those sorts of things to really, when your dog makes the right decision to become the cheer squad. I mean, I literally distraction camp too. We had the pigeons sitting on the floor and the labs going to odor instead of to the pigeons and hearing the entire group erupt into cheers for the dog making the right choice was amazingly awesome. Do you, do you remember, I think it was Distraction Camp 1, and it was, I'm not going to call it names, but she, with rewarding her dog with the empty roll of toilet paper? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> because the dog loved yeah, it. Yeah, we're like, <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> we got plenty of those. <laughs> old group of girls, we got plenty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that's so awesome. So. Yeah, I I think that um, we get very stuck in the whole fact that no, the dog must like a toy and a rope, a ball and a rope, or, you know, a tug, a tug toy, a red line tug ball, because that's what everybody likes. Oh my gosh, I thought Bristol was going to take out my good knee today because I had um, this new toy for her. And it's like a little tennis ball with a fuzzy on a bungee. And she's like, growling in the middle of the store and is like and thrashing and I'm like okay girlfriend (laughs) so I'm picturing all these nose work people going but I can't reward with that in a trial like I I can hear it now that ball never touches the floor it doesn't matter so this is what I tell them because I I I tell them I ball reward a lot and they're like but I can't reward with that in a trial and I'm like that's okay you don't have to you know because you know what if it's a reinforcer It's a reinforcer because by the time I would get to trialing, okay, so let's take Bristol and say, instead of doing narcotics work, I'm doing nose work with her. And I'm in the middle of the farm store doing my lineup of toy cars. (laughs) I said cars, but it was toy cars. And (laughs) um, we're going along and she hits odor. She does her train final response during training because she's we're coming off of a three-month downtime um I'm working a brand new odor she hasn't worked before she threw a really fast sit I'll pull out that toy we'll play all day long when I get to a trial or a certification She's hunting really, really hard she sits she does her sit and stare good girl let's keep going. But then, okay, keep in mind, I know that I also have a very, she's like a pointy-eared dog and a floppy-eared dog body because she really wants to be a bitey dog. (laughs) (laughs) I can do that to her. I can also give her a, for her, a good girl, let's keep going. That's also a reinforcer. It's just the lower level one. Well, that's like, for instance, you know, I'll food reward in a trial, but a lot of times in training and a ball reward. Right. And the the idea, though, and I think what we're trying to say, if you're just, if everybody's sitting here just confused and their minds are kind of going. They're like, oh my God, they're ranting. But what, exactly. Right. 
is that the idea goes back to reinforcer. And reinforcer means that you're increasing the likelihood of a behavior happening again, right? That's really what a reinforcer is. So when we build the value for the odor or whatever it is, you know, well, in this case, it's the odor, right? We're building the value for getting to the odor and responding to the odor, alerting to the odor. And we're, and we're reinforcing that. We're not rewarding it. We're reinforcing it. The behavior of getting to the odor. Exactly. And we reinforce that with whatever the dog values the most. So for instance, Prize loves those wonder balls. I call them the crystal balls because you know Crystal gave her her very first one. So it's a crystal ball. So I reward her with that ball, reinforce her with that ball. I'll just use the right word there. I reinforce her with that ball and it becomes so the pro, it, that that value transfers and getting that behavior of getting to source is so highly reinforced that then when I take her into a trial and I give her a piece of food, I'm not diminishing that drive to source. And at the end, I also have another, I use another word, I use finish, even though we use it in a trial, you know, I use it. Finish also means now you're going to get your A plus reinforcer that I cannot reward you with in the trial because it can't touch the ground. And she gets her ball. And I was actually, as I was watching Bristol work today, I realized she has a threshold issue. I have one hide that is significantly more odiferous than some of my other two odors. And it is easier, therefore, for her to work out that odor. So what I decided that I need to do is then because I, you guys, I can't go out and buy more drugs, right? <laughs> so I'm kind of restricted on what I can use. So I'm, I'm actually using get sent tubes and, and stuff from precision explosives, which is fabulous stuff. It's just a little bit lower threshold for what I'd really like right now. I was going to say, my I have my neighborhood. Uh <laughs> Send out Yukon, you get plenty of heroin. <laughs> and let's be honest, and all and I haven't I haven't put her on marijuana, which is like the most aromatic. You you have or you haven't? You haven't, right? I haven't. I have I've chosen not to put her on marijuana at this point. Because it's legal in like half the country. <laughs> well, I, I'm work it right now. I'm working cocaine and heroin. Um, and so, but they're I have two that are really low odor and the other one, which is not. Right. And I would really like to have her hunt longer and start to work out odor pools, but it's really, really hard when you have really small threshold odors. And you so- You don't have like a kilogram of cocaine that you can just like- <laughs> No. Just like in your, in your freezer, one of your one of your many freezers, I don't know. Freezers, no, not next to the dead birds <laughs> or anything. <laughs> and, and so- what I actually made the the choice today, I'm sitting here thinking about what I've got going on. Plus working in big box stores, you don't really know what odor's doing all of the time because of the HVAC and the shelving and all of that sort of stuff. Part of our- so I actually, yeah. So I just looked at it and said, you know what? I need to click nose to odor. I need to reward the hunt. And, you know, um, for me, that became very important for her on two, two of the hides. So, um, and I also put together that I have some things I can work on here at home, but the next time I take her to a place and I go out and work, we will probably be back in a big box store doing something like that. And I will probably click nose to odor because note that that's the threshold because otherwise I can also teach her to alert on odor pools. But I'm curious, isn't that what pairing is? Isn't that how you're supposed to teach anyway? Like. What do you mean? Click nose to odor? Yeah. Isn't that what pairing is? In my world, it's not imprinting. Yeah. Pairing is very different, a different phrase in the nose work world. Yeah. So what is that in nose work? In nose work, it usually means putting the food on the hide. Like like literally, literally the food is left on the hide and then the dog. Well, that's one way to teach it. No, that's how you teach it. <laughs> that's not how I teach it, but. That's not how I teach it either. It's a, it's a popular way of doing it. It's not the way I do it, but it's a popular oh, way. Oh, I thought it was, I have heard that you 
always have to do it that way. She, you're, you're the most, you're very sarcastic tonight, Crystal. I'm, I'm making sure I get these myths out here. You know, <laughs> I, I'm just using the the post the person shared. I haven't had enough wine for this. I really, I haven't had any. <laughs> you have to like. Uh, uh, I had cheeses. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm underprepared. I'm underprepared. I should have had the had the glass of wine. No, I'm underprepared for that. Right. And, and you know, there's, so one of the myths that are one of the methods, let's say it's a method. Yeah, it's not, not it's a myth. It's, it's Well, the myth a, is when people say that is the only way to do it. Correct. That's the myth. That's the myth. That's the myth part, because one yes. of the methods that, you know, people do for narcotics dogs is they actually will put um, drugs or put their tennis balls or, or a rolled up towel in with the narcotics or the explosives. And then that's the toy that the dog gets to play with. That's a method. The myth is that that's the only way to do it. Right. And there's, you know, there's lots and lots of different ways to do the same thing. Which is similar, except that food odor behaves very differently than essential oil. Correct. That's part of the issue. And I mean, it's not the way that I like this. It's not the way that I do. And, and I have seen that exact same thing when we're talking about um, NOTA, which is my um, novel odor training aid. It behaves much more like a essential oil. Okay. Big and lofty. Than, big and lofty than an explosives. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. And so I have to think about, you know, yes, I'll train the dog to do certain things on the novel odor, but if it's an, if I think it's going to be an explosives dog, I start with much lower threshold odors. Oh, definitely. Otherwise you're going to create certain search behaviors based off of the characteristics of the odor. Right. Because the dogs learn how to, based on the odor that they're seeking and how it behaves, that's how they develop their searching habits. Yeah. So if you see a nose work dog, I mean, you've, you've seen videos of my dogs, they can be fast, right? We can move quickly through an area, dismiss rapidly at speed. But part of the reason why we can do that is because of the nature of the odor. Because the odor is so big, it's, it, it's basically as long as they're odor obedient, right? They're not going to get hung up in novel or distracting odors. And we can rapidly dismiss areas because I trust my dogs not to like basically get an odor and ignore it. That clearing the area at speed becomes, it's not a big deal. Because they're not going after the popcorn on the ground or whatever, you know, not usually. Well, thankfully you haven't, you know, ruined your dogs by putting a, one of those silly alerts on them, you know, like where you actually, you know, make them <laughs> do something because a nose work that absolutely ruins the game when you put alerts on them. Oh yeah. 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 Powder. Mm -hmm. Yep. Wait, wait, is that a myth too? Oh, um, yeah, I don't think that is a myth, but, um, it's a misconception. Maybe it's a misconception. I, I would say in nose work, it's, I tell people in terms of training a specific behavior, it's usually, I usually guide people um, based on a number of different reasons. If you have uh, the ability to train something well with criteria and you have the drive to sustain it, train frontal response is amazing. Um, but if you don't reinforce something very specific, you also have to be very good at reading your dog. But if you don't have the drive to sustain it, then you could have some problems with fringe alerts. So there's a lot, there's a lot of, you, you got to kind of think through a lot of different things there, but you know, it's. What do you got to think through? Well, you have to think, first of all, I mean, the thing is, I would say training, a train, uh, training, a train final response badly is very easy to do. Right. So you know, if you're going to do it, you've got to commit to it and you've got to commit to really good training. Otherwise, you're probably going to end up with a bigger mess than you started with. But if you have a dog that is high drive and doesn't have any boundaries on their behavior, you're also going to have a very big mess and you need to do something about it. So at that point, your training kind of has to step up to the dog's drive level. And if you have a dog that's low drive, 
and you try to put a lot of criteria on that dog, you're probably putting, um, you can suck a lot of joy out of things by that. Yes. You're putting like a mountain ahead of your dog and odor obedience is going to be your, the bane of your existence. Cause the dog's going to be like, that is just too hard. I don't feel like doing that today. So there's different things they have to kind of think about because in nose work we get, um, and I know you, we see this, you know, you see this sometimes with search and rescue. We've talked about this before also, but especially in nose work, I mean, we've got every breed imaginable, every drive level and, you know, and, and, it, and you have to make the decisions for that dog. Um, but just, you all have to also have to consider that training a train final response badly is very easy to do. And I think that it's, you know, we, we just did the webinar where any behavior that you reinforce on a consistent basis actually becomes your train final response. So your look back or whatever it is, is a train final response. It's fine. Yeah. And the, the thing to keep in mind is that, you know, I have a sit and stare on some of my dogs. I also select for dogs with drive levels that come out that way, right? And I build a lot of reinforcement system into them so that I have the ability to reinforce that plus have the observation skills and the timing to go along with all of that stuff. So the the whole, um, there was actually something out on Facebook about, why should search and rescue dogs have a trained final response? Shouldn't you be able to call stuff on change of behavior? And, and here my response to it was, um, you need a trained final response because you may not be working in sight. Your dog is going to be working out of sight if they're hopefully doing their job. You could miss all the trained final or all the change of behavior. You still need the trained final response. And then I'll pull out the, because the standards tell you, you have to (laughs) other option. Right. And, and so it comes down to, for me, what's the dog going to be used for, you know, and you know, my bomb dogs, yes, they have a sit and stare. It's rock solid. No, you can't. So you don't want them pawing at the hide. Don't want them (laughs) pawing at the hide. I don't want them barking at it. I don't want them, you know, I want them turning into a little tiny statue. Right. Right. Don't move a muscle. Yeah. My narcotics <laughs> dogs, you know what? I, I'll take a look back. I, I'm okay. Um, now I may fix that. Like on on Bristol. Bristol's got this whole she throws a really fast sit. I was trying to watch her change of behavior stuff today, and she put her nose in like a 10-inch area around odor, and she sat really fast, and then she sits and looks at me, and her eyes blow up, right? She's like, give me the ball. <laughs> and I'm like, hmm, how much time do I want to spend trying to fix that versus getting on to the whole concept of let's just go hunt for odor in operational environments? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because because as you increase our criteria, you've got to maintain that criteria. Right. Exactly. And so it's, you know, what's, what's most important to me. And right now what's important to me is, um, getting her operationally ready. And then in nose work, um, I mean, I see, I put out videos and I get a lot of people commenting, like, how did you know when to call alert? Because for instance, with powder, um, on containers, she has a beautiful nose freeze because I trained it basically because of her drive level and her physicality, right? Because she is really kind of a physical dog. But I just have to be able to say with confidence where the hide is in nose work. I'm not judged on the consistency of the final response. It doesn't matter. So for me, the um, the most important thing is to be able to say where that hide is. And because I can read my dog, it's not necessary because she's not being physical and destructive. If she was being destructive, which she was trying to do with containers, and I fixed that, right, by giving her a trained final response, which, and I proofed the heck out of it, and and now it holds up beautifully in competition. You know, if she was doing that at a hide, oh yeah, I'd be putting a trained final response on her, but I don't need to. But now when I look at prize, for instance, so I'm, you know, starting to train her for uh, wilderness life find. Right. And so there I had my first experience with her searching 
um, completely out of sight. And I just saw the GPS and I'm like, I don't even know where she is. You know, learning how to use my GPS. Anyway, she was she was off searching. So she finds the people. I only know that because we had the radio. And she comes back to me. To your point, if she didn't come back to me and down, and I didn't, you know had no idea. People, I would have no idea. Did you just come back to me, or did you come back to me and tell me that you found the people? Like, how would I know? Did you come back and check in? Yeah, right. Is that a check in or? Is that a check in? But she came back and she lied down, which is her trained final response. Exactly. Right. So it's one of those things. It's kind of like, you know, sometimes you need it and sometimes it's not necessary. But if you're, I'm talking to the nose work people, if you're training it just to look cool, you better be able to hold it, you know, keep that criteria up because it's so easy to train one badly. And what I mean by badly is one that occurs off source. Occurs off source or you incorporate additional behaviors into it and you get barking and nose punching. Or you train the response, the final, the alert so much in excess of, you just start getting it just because the dog's demanding because they don't understand the criteria, the contingency. The contingency for getting to odor. Exactly. So that's where you get false alerts. So. And I think a helpful thing to think about there is how to, so instead of don't do the thing and worry about the thing, you know, how do you maintain it and how do you learn it? And I think some of the tips we've mentioned before in other episodes, recording becomes invaluable. Oh, yeah. So you can, you know, record and analyze and look for those things. But even in the analyzing part, it goes back to, do you know what you're really looking for? And that's where if there's a nose work club, uh, a group of people, a community, of like-minded people or people that want to learn, that that can be a great resource. But really, you know, I I think it usually almost always comes down to having the right mentors and having the right coaches. And I know people will say, oh, but I don't have anybody in person. And that's something that's so amazing now about all the resources we have. You know, I mean, I know like Stacy and Robin, you both do online coaching, don't you? Yes. Full time. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so. (laughs) Yeah. There's so many great coaches and, and resources out there that if you're like, yeah, I think I want to try that, you know, here's something else that kind of ties into this. I feel like a lot of people think search and rescue and nose work are special or different from other sports and dog activities. And I think that because I came into it, not really, I knew what they wanted me to teach my dog to do. And because I was already a trainer, I just took what I knew and I applied that. And then I got a whole bunch of like, well, that's not how you do it <laughs> because I, I didn't do it the way that was traditional because I didn't know that was how to do it, but I got the job done doing what I know as a trainer. And then when they told me what I was supposed to be doing, I'm like, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, but that's because this is, this is search and rescue. Wait, 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 Crystal. Wait. Yeah. Are you saying that this is just dog training? Yeah. It's just, it's just solid, good dog training. Dog training. <laughs> yes. It was just one of those eye-opening things, you know, even when you were talking about the reinforcement. So, you know, we have to reduce the amount of reinforcement we have on ourselves for like for Mondial Ring at higher levels, you're 40 minutes out on the field without like a a true reinforcer from you. Now they get to do bite work and that sort of thing, you know, as we go. But um, you have to figure out in all sports at some point how to get rid of the reinforcement off your body, how to change it. That doesn't mean when I'm when I'm training that I'm not going to use reinforcement, you know. And so, even like uh, you said at the end, you say finish, and so I say rock star. And so rock star means whatever we were doing, we're going to run together, we're going to run back to the van, or we're going to go wherever that reinforcer is, and we're going to have a big party. And it's that also delayed gratification kind of thing, you know, where it's this that oh, I can't wait, you know. And Robin talked about uh, that, you know good girl, find another. And so all these different ways that you can build it to trial, but in training, you have to build that reinforcement first. So it's just, I I think it's very special. I think detection work and nose work is very special, but it's not special different. (laughs) Correct. It's just dog training. Not just, it's dog training. (laughs) Yep, 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 yep. It, it is one of those things where you start really thinking about, you know, dog training comes down to as um, Keller and Marion Breland said, you know, 
stimuli, generalization, punishment, reinforcement, and generalization. That's it. Kind of doesn't really matter what you're doing with your dog. It's just all about the same. That's good training. So, all right. Takeaways, ladies. No, no, no. I still have. Oh, come on. I have something else I got to share. Okay. Of course you do. Uh, Really, I found this article of this genius trainer, and they talk about the four Ds of nose work and odor obedience. And it's this brilliant blog that I found. Yeah. The, the, oh, I think I've read that blog. And I think that blog that was written a long time ago and that individual started to learn and grow because that's what we do when we do this for years after years and years and years. And then they det- they find out that there's actually six Ds. Would you No, no, I, I got it. You don't even know who this <laughs> is. Like, let me let me let me share the cliff notes of this brilliant blog. It talks about for odor obedience. It's it's spelled out. Like we just wasted all this time and I could have just read this blog out. Like it's so brilliant. And I bet you it was it was written by a really brilliant person. I know. Yeah, that, I already said that. Brilliant yeah. trainer. So there's there's four. It's duration, so building odor obedience at source. That's that's essential. It's what it says. You know, does the dog catch odor, follow odor and then insist at the hide to be paid? So that's that's part of it. Okay, now the second one is distance, building independence and in nose work. They they have to learn to work independently. This is a challenge for some dogs. I just I love this. And distraction is the next one. And there's odor obedience to dismiss distractions. Real life searches, they have all kinds of stuff in them. Schools, ballparks, camps, fairgrounds. The list is endless. Did you know that, Stacy? It's endless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they have to have odor obedience to dismiss <laughs> these distractions because diversity. Diversity is the fourth one because they have to search new places. So the dog, you know, will not have a chance to acclimate or even see the search area. So, you know, this this person's G- oh, no, wait, wait, it gets better. Wait, wait, wait. This is the part we haven't discussed that we have to we have to finish with this, okay? So the key to really success with the four D's, what's the word? Determination. Starts with the C, rhymes with confidence. Hmm. okay everybody who's wondering like what the heck she's reading off of a very very old blog i wrote 2018 is not that long ago that is a long time ago ago. no it's it's really great though this last part that's that's eight summit titles ago crystal so for any of the d's no matter how many you think there are I 100% agree with you. Everything that you've said here is so spot on, but the key to being successful is confidence. Yes. And that's where we have to start. It's the environment, the self-confidence in the dog's skills, the confidence in the handler, the confidence is the linchpin. I love that to achieving, you only say four, but you can have your 25 Ds now. The confident dog knows his job, doesn't care where he's searching, trust his handler. And to get confidence, I love your five tips. Prioritize emotions, never work a stressed dog, allow the dog to acclimate before training, work the dog at the appropriate skill level, and be clear with your cues by utilizing routine. Yay. So confidence and the Ds, that's the foundation. Just missing a few. That's it. Just missing. So I just wanted to thank you for the 40s of nose work and odor obedience. (laughs) There's now six, but. Okay. Ladies, takeaways. My takeaway is that since 2018, <laughs> a lot of times we exhibit growth and we realize that there's more to it than just four Ds of detection. <laughs> and then sometimes our very, very good friends like to take stuff that we wrote and try to drop a bomb and try to prove that there were only four Ds because that was the whole purpose of that conversation. No, I thought it was really good information. I know. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. We'll include the link, whether you think there's four or six, we'll include the link to the blog post in the top post. Anyway, um, no, my um, my takeaway is that, you know, it's really when you think about odor obedience, try to think about it from the bigger picture of not just the odor, but it's also it's more about the desire to seek out the odor or it's in addition to getting to the height is a desire to seek out the odor. So odor obedience exists whether or not there's odor there. It's it's all about if you teach your dog, you know, this is 
The contingency for reinforcement is to go out and seek and to find the find the find the odor, and to exhibit the uh, the behavior that that you want um, with the precision that you want. Um, try to think about it that way as opposed to just alerting at the hide. We're only alerting at the hide. Let me go next. You want to go, Robin? Uh, unless you want to close out, you can go next. Sure, I don't need to close. I started. I started this mess. I know uh, <laughs> you did. <laughs> so I think the myths that we covered, just to make them clear, because as you know, I was being a little silly. So I mentioned about rewarding at source always. When you hear the word always and never, that's when you should probably question things. But here is something that I do want to put in there. If you had to take one away from me and I had to choose between the marker and the reinforcement of, of the replacement of the reinforcement, and I could only do one or the other, I'd get rid of the marker. So that's something that I've really had to think a lot about because the power of the placement of the reward is really important. And so that's one Absolutely. that- Absolutely. Well, and Jens, um, one of the things I learned very clearly going through the Scandinavian Working Dog Institute is one of the reasons that you use a secondary reinforcer or a conditioned reinforcer is because for some reason you cannot put your reinforcer where you want it. That's why a conditioned reinforcer can be so powerful. Right. But if you took one away, that's, I would still stick with the the placement. I mean, I want both. I'm going to use both. <laughs> Absolutely. Place, placement is, re, and wouldn't you know, I'm talking about that in that webinar with markers and condition and bridges. Placement of reinforcement all kind of works together in a really convoluted ball of yarn. So the second myth that we covered was that alerts ruin the game. And the third one we covered was about that pairing is the only way to go. It's just one way to go. And then the fourth one is always my favorite topic, which is motivation. And it's not just the cookie. Uh, there are lots of ways of rewarding. And I'm I'm so lucky I get to put two webinars on for Finzi on that. One is about uh, floor play, uh, floor, like on the ground play. Um, play, yeah. And, <laughs> <laughs> just make sure I enunciate properly and so we don't get ourselves in trouble. <laughs> uh, AI like flags us. Um, so yeah, so there's a webinar on that. And then we also have a focus seminar coming up, a one-day event, and I get to teach uh, a play piece of that as well. So I think both of those could be really helpful thinking about what we talked about today, because we didn't have enough time to really say how to do the things. It was just do the things. So we gave you a couple tricks and tips, but those are some places you can find us. So Robin, what is your takeaway? My takeaway is that a lot of what we talked about today, the key to it is having a reinforcement system. And, and unless you have built a reinforcement system in your dog or with your dog, it's really hard to build a good detection foundation when you don't have a reinforcement system already established. So that's my big takeaway. That's away. a huge takeaway. And I wish I, I wish my takeaway was your takeaway because I love your takeaway. So, and, and um, I, you know, just sent home a whole group of new puppies and that's what I keep telling people. I know I think half the litter is currently enrolled in Crystal's functional obedience class. And it makes my heart sing because I get to see videos of them and they're, they're, they're playing, which for puppies, I don't. And what did I do with Flash today? We were working through some stuff in one of the farm stores and I was having old guys throw her ball. And so that became an important piece of her getting over the fact that old guys in hats are kind of scary. Not when they have fur balls. <laughs> Not when they have fur balls or a ball on a rope. She really likes them just like her mom. What, what other things do we have coming up that are related to odor obedience that we can tell people about? Well, I, I know Crystal's got her Fenzy stuff. I just released... I think five different webinars that are coming up starting the middle of February through the first of April. 
And Stacy, you have you can sign up for I've got NW101 if you want to get on odor without pairing. Um, so that's uh, introduction to nose work. And I also have a class uh, on handling, which is going to definitely cover marker usage. Right. Perfect. Oh, and that reminds me because my webinar is on the 15th too. So if this is after anyway, oh, well. Right. And, and if, and if this is after the 15th, I'm really sorry. I will teach these things again. <laughs> Can't get my webinar again. Ha <laughs> ha. Yep. Oh, and distraction camp. Oh, yes. And dis registration for Distraction Camp is live. Um, and then I also have the Art and Science of Setting Hides class coming up in June. So thank you, everybody, for listening again to our shenanigans. And go train. Canine Detection Collaborative. We appreciate the time you spend with us. If you liked this episode, not only should you follow us so you don't miss the next one, but please also rate and review us in your favorite podcast app. For info on collaborating with us, go to K9DetectionCollaborative.com. That's K9DetectionCollaborative.com, where you can find our socials and pick up our latest monthly freebie. Join us again to talk training in the next episode.